from the uh, Gospel of John, chapter 20, verses 1 to 18. Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early, while it was still dark, and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. So Peter went out with the other disciple, and they were going toward the tomb. Both of them were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. And stooping to look in, he saw the linen cloths lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came, following him, and went into the tomb. He saw the linen cloths lying there, and the face cloth, which had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen cloths, <clears throat> but folded up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went in, and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture, that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to their homes. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb, and as she wept, she stooped to look into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white, sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head and one at the feet. They said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing, but she did not know that it was him, that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary, she turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord, and that he had said these things to her. Good morning, church. Let me take a minute to, <clears throat> to sadly give you some news that Anna Mandin is here, and it is her last Sunday to be here with us. And so <clears throat> we know that um, it, not just for me, but for all of us, she has been like a daughter, right? coming and going to different places and homes and being treated as part of us family here at First Kong. And so today, before she leaves, uh, we want to pray for her. And I want to invite you, uh, Anna Mandin, to come here. And Anna Patricia is going to be praying for her. And as we do so, we, we will commend her to the loving hands and caring hands and guiding hands of, of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Are with a word of prayer this morning. 
Heavenly Father, we gather here today with grateful hearts, seeking your presence and coming to your word. And as we come into the message of hope in the resurrection of our Lord Jesus, we ask for your divine guidance. Open our hearts and minds to receive this message and grant us the wisdom to apply it in our lives. May your Holy Spirit fill this place with understanding and inspiration so we may carry the light of hope into the world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. In literature, authors have often written about the difficulties of finding hope in hard times or in difficult times. Albert Camus, a French writer who won the Nobel Prize for Literature, once said, in the depths of winter, I finally learned that within me there lay an invincible summer. With more beautiful words, this man described what I have been thinking and saying since I came to Canada. Within me lay there an invincible summer. No matter how, how tough life gets, a part of us always, always clings to hope. And through history, writers, poets, and philosophers have considered the consequences of living in the shadows of despair. The absence of hope has profound physical and spiritual effects on humanity, casting a deep darkness in our souls. And in many ways, the Gospel of John is a journey through the darkness of human soul, the desperate thirst for meaning and the turmoil of a world that desperately, desperately needs a savior. We have seen Nicodemus seeking answers under the cover of night in John chapter 3. Then we come to chapter 4, a Samaritan woman drawing water into the heat, into the heat of the day to quench a spiritual thirst. And in chapter 6 in the Gospel of John, the disciples are in the middle of a stormy night asking for some help in the middle of this storm. So as we approach to the end of chapter 19 in the Gospel of John, most of the events leading to Jesus' crucifixion occur at night. Notice how it was at night when Jesus was arrested, when he was betrayed, when he was abandoned by his disciples. Darkness, night, and despair all point to our human condition without the light of Jesus. Even in the cross, 
the Gospel of Matthew tells us that there was darkness over all the land. Well, God was putting all his wrath upon Jesus because of the sins of the world. Darkness cover all the land. However, John's declaring his opening chapter, chapter 1, verse 5, he says, The light shines in the darkness. That's one of the first verses of the Gospel of John. The, dark, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. This profound statement foreshadows the culminating moment that we are going to see in chapter, in chapter 20. So as we arrive to this chapter, the darkness that symbolizes our spiritual emptiness and confusion continues to be the central theme in this story. The first thing we read in this chapter is that Mary Magdalene approaches the tomb while it was still dark. What a beautiful picture, eh? While it was still dark, standing before the empty tomb in the middle of her darkness, Mary Magdalene bears witness not only to the absence of Jesus, not only to the absence of Jesus' body, but also to the complete absence of hope for her. Now... It's not that Jesus is only dead for her, but now there is not even a body to mourn over. No hope. And notice the tone of her voice when she tells the other disciples in verse 2, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb. And we do not know where they have laid him. There is a sense of finality in her words. She speaks of Jesus as a dead man. Someone took his body. Someone laid him in another place. He is dead and now we don't have the body. These words drive home the undeniable reality of Jesus' death. And now that his body has vanished, it only deepens the sense of hopelessness. In her mind, there is no way to alter the course of these events. In her mind, this was the end of Jesus' story. What a despair. Something amazing happened. Even though it seems totally impossible, Jesus had talked about his death many times, and he made it clear that the third day was going to be a crucial moment. He knew he would return to life. 
Even when the disciples didn't get it. Despite their doubts and confusion, Jesus was able to do something that seemed impossible for the disciples. He was alive. And dear friends, we might not always understand or have faith, but doesn't, that doesn't stop Jesus from doing the things that he has promised to do. Doesn't matter. If you don't have faith, he will do what he has promised to do. It's not what we feel or what we think or what we believe. He is faithful to his promises. And there is the fundamental difference between the hope that the world believes in and the hope that is found in Jesus. The world perceives hope as the belief that things will improve and that we can change our reality through our inner power. However, true hope is rooted in what Jesus accomplished. Our hope is based on the promises that he made and continues to fulfill. That is our hope. Our human abilities or our inner power cannot provide genuine hope. But moving to the second main point in our scripture this morning, let us discuss how Peter and John responded to the empty tomb. We learn from verses 3 and 4 that Peter and John ran to the tomb upon hearing Mary Magdalene's account. They were running straight to the tomb. And don't we all want to double check and see some proof before we believe anything? You want to have the hard copy, eh? This tendency to seek empirical confirmation is a trait of our nature, deeply ingraining our struggle to trust the unseen. And so, as they stepped into the tomb, they were met with a surprising sight. The linen clothes were neatly folded and arranged, indicating that Jesus' body was no longer there. These details hold great significance and deserves particular emphasis as it highlights an intentional and organized nature to Jesus' resurrection. 
the absence of chaos and disruption in the tomb, along with the neatly folded linen, suggests that Jesus' resurrection was not a random occurrence, but a meticulously orchestrated event. It was not a possibility for someone to take the body and leave folded the linen there. It is important to remember that even the smallest details in the scriptures hold profound meaning. This observation of the folded linen highlights that Jesus did not raise from the dead randomly, but did so with intention and with purpose. And consequently, he left behind clear evidence of his resurrection so that we may believe. So as we move a little further in chapter 20, we read in verse 8, then, verse 8 says, then the other disciple, John, who had reached the tomb first, also went in, and he saw and believed. Even though the disciple did not have all the facts and did not fully understand the scriptures, we read in verse 9 that we, you see in verse 9, for as yet they did not understand the scriptures that he must rise from the dead. But even though he didn't understand all the scriptures, we read in verse 8 that he believed Jesus. He believed what he had told them before. John believed when Jesus told him, I am the living water. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the vine. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No, he didn't understand all the old testament but this is what john believed and this is what ignites our hope in jesus as well when we hear his voice speaking personally that truth spark a flame of faith that leads us to a personal walk with the risen christ we do not need to understand the whole scriptures to believe in the resurrected one. It is a simple word from Jesus spoken to our heart and minds that could cause us to believe what he has done for us. And so... We come close to the heart of this passage. 
heart of the passage lies in Mary Magdalene's encounter with Jesus, which serves as our third main point in this passage. After Peter and John depart from the empty tomb, Mary Magdalene remains. She decided to stay. Weeping, yes, but she was weeping outside of the tomb. In her grief and confusion, she encounters two angels within the tomb who ask her why she is crying. But still, her focus remains fixed on finding the body of Jesus. And it is here, in an extraordinary turn of events, Mary Magdalene turns around and sees a man she mistakes for the gardener. Can you imagine? And she pleads with him, Sir, if you have carried him away, if you have the dead body of Jesus, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. And a dead body was of no purpose for her. That was not what she needed. In her desperate search for Jesus, she does not recognize him because in her mind she's still looking for a dead body. And it is there in that crucial moment when the man who is Jesus called her by name saying, Mary, I can imagine saying that name with a big smile in his face. And she finally realizes who he is. Can you picture that moment? Her sorrows transform into unspeakable joy. And upon realizing that he is indeed Jesus, she clings to him. Can you imagine Mary Magdalene clinging like a baby on the neck of, of, of Jesus? So Jesus told her, Mary, stop it. Because you need to ascend to the Father. But her joy at seeing Jesus was moving her. To do was not to do something that was not allowed for her to be doing. 
dear friends, I want to tell you something. Hope can come unexpectedly. And hope can come from unlikely places. However, real and eternal hope can only be found in the person of Jesus Christ. When we are at our lowest in our darkness, and even when we are not looking for Jesus, it is him who finds us and brings us true hope that will last forever. As we stand at the threshold of this hope, remember this. Hope is not just a distant concept. It is a living reality. Hope is the resurrected one named Jesus Christ. Hope is a person. And because he is a person, he calls us by name. Mary, John, Peter, David, Nicholas, Matt, Douglas. Hope is calling you by your name. So today I invite you to seek him persistently and passionately even if you are in darkest moments in your life. And yes, of course, cry as Mary Magdalene was crying there without any hope. You can cry. You can be honest in that place. You can be real, but wait for him. Because he will call you by your name. Call upon the name of the Lord and you will be saved. And, we, and when he finds you, when you hear him calling you, do not keep this hope for yourself. Do what Mary did. She went to the she went back to the disciples. And what she tell what did she tell to the disciples? I have seen the Lord. This morning, my call to you is, have you seen, have you seen the resurrected one? Have you have heard his name? He, have you heard, have you heard him calling 
you by your name. If not, this is the morning. Don't leave this place. Ask someone to pray with you at the end, even when if the rest of us are eating chili. Ask. But do not leave this place without hearing your name. Once we hear our name, once we have this encounter, let's go back and let's tell others, I have seen the Lord. For in sharing, sharing the hope we have found, we become beacons of light in a world that so desperately craves the dawn of a new day, the dawn of a new day, the third day. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, as we finish this time of worship in your word, we are grateful for the message of hope that has touched our hearts let us carry this resurrected hope within us, shining brightly and illuminating the life of those we meet. May our actions reflect the love and grace of Jesus as we become vessels of hope in a world that is hungry for you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.